today on the podcast we've got Jerry Kilgore. He is a musician, uh, you know, a country music singer. Has really got the pipes. He lets us hear a little bit of that. He's a Merle Haggard guy. Uh, been around the block. We talk a lot about old country singing and just people and music and some of the tours he's done. And it's enjoyable. Listen up. Buck Owens. Well, hey hello there. there, Jerry Kilgore. How you doing today? <laughs> what happened? We got. Oh we my got goodness! It this was fifth times a charm. Sometimes this anchor app isn't so friendly to, <laughs> oh, to some of my guests. And Jerry and I've been working at this for a bit now. Uh, welcome to the Garland Pepper Show. Uh, I'm Garland Pepper, your host, and today I've got a gift for you. I've got my friend Jerry Kilgore. Jerry Kilgore has had an interesting life. We're going to find out a whole lot about that today. Uh, originally an Oregonian, grew up in uh, Tillamook Valley, and uh, but we're going to find out more about that. He went off to Tennessee to find his way in music. Who said it was interesting? <laughs> well, I just did. It's, I guess it's, so. It's now a published reality. Uh, it's a truth yeah. because it's published. If it's published, it's true. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but I'll take it, I guess. We'll make it interesting anyway. We'll make up something. Yeah, there you go. Just make up something, you know. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really have a dog that died, but my dog died. Now I hear you really well right there. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, you were like you were real quiet, but now you're good to go. It kinda, it, my uh, headphones are kind of smart, and they kind of they kind of do things, you know. They kind of adjust. Like if I get real loud, they stay kind of. Oh, you can tell I'm loud, but it's not loud to the guests, you know. Yeah, yeah. how so, am I? You you sound you sound uh you know really good <laughs> is what you sound. Good. Yeah, well, good, good man, good. So Jerry, you uh you were born in Oregon. You are an Oregon man. You are a web foot. Yes, I am. I uh, I was born at uh, Tillamook Hospital, 1964. Um, God, that's a long time ago. Yeah, not um, as long as I was born. <laughs> I got you by yes. two. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, was born in Oregon, and I went to uh, high school there in Tillamook and ended up uh, going to Mount Hood Community College for a few years. And then after that, I kind of moved around all over. But I got out of Tillamook when I was 17. I was yeah. smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tillamook, there's really just a few industries you can, you can kind of be involved in there. Uh, one would be tourism. Uh, whether that be hotels or house rentals or fixing house rentals or cleaning houses or cleaning hotels. The other would be um, cheese. Yep. And the other would be dairy. Yeah, which is cheese. Right. It's and you have <laughs> the you have the full system there, cheese and ice cream and cows. It's all right, right there in Tillamook. You got the smell too, you know that Gary. Oh man. <laughs> So I was in there once and it flooded like a week after it flooded. Yeah. And then it was like 80 degrees. <laughs> yeah. So That's that mist in the air was, it had to be just methane. It, it was, was yeah, it was powerful. It was so bad. Yeah, yeah. With, it's, and I, the heat and the steam and the poo. Oof. You know, you being raised there, you, you really do. You kind of get used to that, you know. Now when yeah, I go do. back. Now, when I go back, you know, you make that last bend coming from Portland, that straight stretch into Tillamook, and it hits you. And I'm not used to it anymore, but 
you know, growing up there, you kind of get used to it. It depends on the breezes too. Yeah. I mean, there are days where it's like that day where it was, you know, just everything had been sopped. So the shit was everywhere, literally, (laughs) because it is, it's in these fields, it gets lifted and then it gets distributed everywhere. And then the sun hits it and it's still moist and it just turns into steam. And it is horrible. That's why that cheese tastes so good. Oh, man. You got that nice, <laughs> nice bacteria from the poo floating yeah. around in the air out there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Tillamook, though, I mean, it had to be kind of fun growing up pretty close to the ocean, you know, on a farm, because farms are kind of fun. Did you grow up on a farm or did you grow up in town? I, I grew up around farms, and I... Uh... Uh, you yeah, always... put in my put in my share of uh, hay. You know, each summer. Oh boy! And uh, yeah, we were we our house was always around. Uh, actually, the two main the main houses we grew up in were around farms. But mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, it was it was a great town. You know, it was um, it it did rain a lot. I, you know, tell them what gets the most rain of any coastal town. So it, yeah, as, as it's a, a bowl it, with a mountain range behind yeah. it. You know? Yeah, and as as kids, we'd lose our minds. You know, when it was get sunny out, we'd skip school, do whatever we could to get yeah. out in the sun. Get out in the sun, but um, yeah. So, but it was a great place. I grew up fishing and hunting and doing all those fun things, and I was mm-hmm. into into sports. So it was really a you know a small great place to grow up. Really, yeah. The deer over there are kind of small though. It's a little coastal range here. They're actually black tail. They're the black tail and they're the best looking, best racks. They're the coolest deer out there, mm-hmm. in my opinion. When they taste good, they've got all that green foraging there. It's the same with the, you know, the milk from Tillamook. It's yep. just like, yep. you know, it, it's good tasting meat. I mean, you get this desert. I grew up on deserts, you know, sage fed, <laughs> yeah. you know, Utah deer. Oh, white tails. Okay. Yeah, big white yeah. tails. And God, that is some gamey food, man. Yeah, the that, boys. That, you know, Utah being cold, the boys. The boy. Utah is cold, right? Oh yeah. So these old boys, they would salt the hell out of those things. <laughs> yeah, right. A whole half, and it would just be, or a whole, you know, a whole thing. They'll salt the inside of the carcass, they'll salt the outside of the carcass. They'll have, you know, have it skinned, and it'll be hanging in their garage. Yeah. All, all winter, just <laughs> to tenderize it, and make it delicious. <laughs> right. Yeah, it works no, though. That, that that black till and also the elk. I love elk meat too, but um, the venison venison was just my favorite actually. Elk's, I think, my favorite meat. Do you like it over venison? I like. Oh, I like, I like it over venison. I like it over venison a lot, actually. I like it over yeah. beef. I like it over almost every other meat. I'm trying to think yeah, of what I like it, better than elk in terms of like the red meats, and I can't. Right. Never had a really good elk steak. I hear they just bleed out. Oh, the blacks, the backstrap of an elk is, uh, is the best. So good. Is it so good? Yeah. I, I haven't hunted in years. I, uh, yeah, I haven't either. After I left, uh, you know, I left Tillamook. I, uh, well, I, I, I came back when I was at college and stuff to hunt, but when I moved South, I didn't, I did just kind of lost interest in it and I haven't hunted since, you know, I don't really want to kill right. anything now. I don't want to kill anything now. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten Kind of gotten soft, you, you know. Gotten soft inside. <laughs> I can't kill old yellow pa. I can't do it. I can't. I can't <laughs> just, do uh, it, pa. You know those those darn elk. They come down in the fields there in Tillamook. In fact, they're right this time of year. They're they're down in the fields. In fact, last week and I was home and I saw them in farmers' fields. Yeah, they look and like it, cows. Yeah, well, they are. They are cows. cows. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're basically cows um, with really good antlers. 
Yep. Yep. And so uh, it's just, I don't know. It's I've seen, I've seen guys actually shoot elk out of farmer's fields before. And it's just, uh, uh, cool. wow. That's it just cool. takes the whole fun out of What's it. You know, about? well, I mean, if, well, if he's just sincerely it's just a, a meat guy, then yeah. Well, yeah, it's about the meat. No doubt about it. Yeah. You know, then, I mean, and it's season and he's got a tag and everything's copacetic and his buddy says, yeah, go ahead. Yep. You know, there was a guy, wasn't there a guy that shot it out of that preserve on the way to the beach there in so and cent, uh, southern central uh, what is that uh, what is that little town where there's the there's an elk sanctuary on the way to the coast oh yeah Reed's over in elk uh, reedsport yeah sure yeah on your way to reedsport there's that thing I, apparently some guy had, had shot an elk from there at one point <laughs> got some serious oh my trouble. god yeah yeah that's not good no, yeah, <laughs> they stand an elk on a preserve they stand a foot away from you. In fact, when I, when I came back to Oregon from, uh, from being down South, I, uh, w- went by that reserve there cause I was working over on the coast and, uh, the, I was stood right next to a big old bull, right. I mean, five feet from him, you know, at that reserve, they're, yeah. you know, they're, ta- they're tame, you know, it was like mm-hmm. you say, how could you shoot one of those? It'd be kind of <laughs> silly, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt. Well, it's also a federal crime, I think. I think that's a, is that a federal preserve or state preserve? It might be well, a county. I don't even I, know. I, I don't know, but I, I grew up with a young guy in Tillamook that he, uh, he was a, he was a great outdoorsman, but he ended up, um, he ended up actually spending time in prison for poaching oh. and uh, yeah, it wasn't good, but a great guy, but he just had a problem, you know, he he like to kill the you know the big bucks with his headlights you know uh-huh. and uh and anyway he spent i think three three years down at the state pen in there in oregon but uh now he's one of the best fishing guides up there so he you know he grew out of that but but it's funny we're talking oh about he had one of those big know? grills big old smasher <laughs> exactly. grills exactly yeah. like my dude. no no he, he no he'd shoot them he'd shoot oh, them. okay but but he but but he'd show them off after he shot them and uh caught up oh. to him you know yeah. Yeah, that ain't good. No. Yeah, there's not a lot of wardens out there. You could get away with a lot of stuff. You really can. Yeah, is there, I was looking at my Oh, go ahead. I mean, but, but you really don't want to. I mean, cuz no. the rules are there, you know, to kind of maintain the ability of people to continue, you know, the sport. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, no I doubt. Have friends who guys, yeah, it's, it's their whole identity. I mean, it would you know, it's it, it would really take something away from them if, if you know, like there was an overcalling of, of the herds and they had yeah. to shut down for a lot of years. Cause I mean, their whole identity is wrapped around, you know, different hunts. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. No, no doubt. So, that, you know, yeah. So it's nice that, that it's being managed. Yes, no doubt. I mean, Cause really if everybody hunted, it'd be done. Like in a month, be over. Yeah, be over in a month. <laughs> be yeah, like sure the buffalo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So Tillamook, you did all the basic Tillamook kid stuff. Did you ever get out to the beach out there? Because it's cold, right? But you, you, you know what's a nice little spot. God, what what's interesting? Growing up there, uh, I didn't really realize what we had there right in our own backyard. You know the the ocean, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't year until years later, living away from the coast, that I that I realized. God, I was uh, living in God's country, just beautiful place, and we didn't we really didn't go out to the ocean much as kids. Uh, not even in high you know, school. High, uh, high school, we'd go out there a little bit, you know. 
like, yeah, we drink a little, smoke a little bit, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was, um, but that was, you know, far and few between those times. And, uh, once I got away from it, I was like, God, I'd, c- I'd come back and you know, I, I kind of missed out on all this neat stuff, you know, mm-hmm. really, really beautiful place. So, yeah, you, well, you got to spend some time pretty solidly on the coast for a few years. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. Was, uh, kind of a opposite world coast down there. Are you talking about down in Coos Bay area? Yeah. Coos Bay is a, yeah. it's a, it's a hard spot to feel good in. I think. I'm, I'm, you know, we kind of, I had never been to Coos Bay growing up in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, oddly enough, we had never really gone past Newport. That's how, I mean, we just didn't go much. Uh, sure. We didn't vacation, vacation much as family uh-huh. or anything. And, so when I got back here to Oregon and uh, was living down in Coos Bay, it, we, we kind of liked it. The weather was a, really a lot better than Tillamook. Um, so but the thing is, though, you're so far away from everything down there. That's uh, That was the bummer part. And yeah, you I-5, really are. You're isolated. You are. And I-5 was just, I hated that I-5 trip up to Portland. Anytime I had to fly out or, or see family, it was like, ah, terrible drive. So mm-hmm. you spent you spent time on that highway a lot, I know, too. Yeah, I five when I started working twenty years ago, you could get a you know a really good space in between cars and just kind of chill, and, yeah, and not have to be on the whole time. Like, sure, you end up in Eugene, you're like, I'm in Eugene now, and you didn't have to think a whole lot because there wasn't a car right in front of you, there wasn't a car coming up behind you, there wasn't cars whizzing past you. It was just right. you found a spot and you hung out and and you went and. There was a lot of space, so yeah, with Oregon yeah. weather, it's nice to have a lot of space. I've gotten used to driving that way. Sure. Now, sure. now we're getting compressed, <clears throat> and people have a shorter following distance when you get compressed. Yep. No doubt about and that. Then you're on edge because you always have to be kind of at the brake almost, right? Yep. Ready to go. Yep. Ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, <sighs> I, I kind of really, like, especially for rush hour, like, Portland got to be just horrendous. If I didn't get out of there before three thirty, I wasn't getting out of work till six, and then I had to drive oh, home yeah. from there. Like I, it's just silly, just crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. very crazy. And it's just been in a matter of a couple of years. What are you smoking over there? Uh, a little nic- <laughs> nicotine vapor. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. That, I could hear. I could. I could. I could smell it. I could smell it from oh, here. Oh, you wish. Yeah, I wish it was gone to. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that's weird that that's legal now in Oregon and it's kind of a non-starter with with people like people don't even care anymore. It's not even a thing. No, not really. Um, I haven't actually been able to get back into it. You know, as a kid, I did my share, but now I've kind of just kind of I don't know, I guess. Yeah. It just doesn't interest me well, too if you much done for it some in a reason. Long time, then what's the point? I mean, right, right, yeah. exactly. I, I enjoy yeah. it. I I do. Um, I probably enjoy it too much. So I should. Probably well, I, I I would probably I would actually actually probably fall right back into it really easy. Uh, good for the songwriting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. It is good on the creative side. Um, yes. Yeah. And uh, I imagine there was a lot of that going around when you were in Nashville. You know. Um, not not a lot um even out on the road you know out on tour uh it, it the band i was packing around they they weren't into it now they drank their share of beer and whiskey but yeah but they were they wouldn't end up smoking much so yeah. didn't have to deal with didn't have to deal with that really that much oh cool 
Yeah, know. I mean, there's like the other, like Willie and those guys, you know. And, you know, yeah, the, a, the, and the irony, Merle Haggard. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a different tribe there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Merle was like, we don't do marijuana in the Skogie, and you know, and uh, 20 years later, he's doing marijuana. <laughs> yeah, that's all he. That's that's all he did. Yeah, I've, mm-hmm. I've heard some heard stories about Omerle liking this stuff. Well, what the welcome hell back, there? Jer. I what have happened? no idea. Um, I'll blame it dropped, on you. It just dropped out. Yeah, no it was problem. probably me. It was probably that's me. all right. Could have been me. Shoot, I I, well, I don't think so. But who knows? We're gonna blame it on the app because it has <laughs> there, no defense. There you go. There you go. Is what were we talking? Yeah. We, we were, we're talking, talking about Merle Haggard, you know, and oh uh, yeah, and those kind of and those boys. Merle was one of my favorite. You know, my dad, uh, growing up as a kid, he loved Haggard. My dad worked in the sawmills there in Tillamook, and he ended up working in the woods after that, driving a log truck. But he was a huge Merle Haggard fan, and uh, I remember listening to those records, also Buck Owens. But I got to meet Merle Haggard. I was, a, you know, like being a big fan, I wanted to meet him all those years. But I was being managed by a young guy named Mark DeTore. He, uh, Mark had Kathy Matea and, and uh, Marty Stewart at the time. And he was managing me and <clears throat> called me one day and said, Hey, what are you doing? He goes, why don't you get out here to uh, the taping of the Marty Stewart show? Merle was the guest on there and you'll, you'll have a chance to meet him. So I, me and my wife flew out there to, uh, to uh, the Marty Stewart show and we got to meet just a highlight, you know, we didn't have much to say to him just to, other than, you know, we're big fans, Merle. And uh, he was just really polite and nice and thanked us. And it was just really cool to get to meet him and to get to see him play on the, you know, they were taping that, the Marty Stewart show. So it was cool to get to see him play live there too. But what did he play? Just, uh, I think he sang, I think he sang working man blues, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And maybe, and maybe today I started loving you again. I, I can't really remember though. I'd have to look back at that stuff. Um, but man, what a talent. Just love him, you know, mm-hmm. and he, or love, was loved he, him. Was he, he was a writer. I mean, he wrote almost all this stuff, right? Merle Haggard was probably, they say, you know, the, the uh, poet of the common man. That's yeah. What, that was his, he, uh, he was probably, uh, could have been one of the best him, Hank Williams. I put him right there with Hank Williams, mm-hmm. Merle Haggard mm-hmm. as uh, the best writers of all time. And, and to me, artist of all time. I mean, there's most guys that grow up on country music uh, try to be Merle Haggard at some point in their career. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just every, right. every, every country singer, that I've ever known that Merle Haggard is it for whatever reason. I mean, I mean, I know why, because he's, he just had the gift, you know, he just had it mm-hmm. great. And, and it was cool. You know, he was just a, such a great singer. He was a great musician. He played the fiddle, played the guitar and his voice, uh, especially in his, in his young, when he was a great singer th- through the years, his, his voice, his voice aged really well, but that early stuff, you know, bottle up me down and swinging doors is to me the the some of the best records ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever in country music. So you still listen to them? Oh God, yeah. Bottle yeah. up me down. Bottle up me down is one of my favorite. It could be my favorite record of all time. I just I love every, everything about. It. I love the the song. I love the mix. The, the guitar tones. The steel tones. Everything about that record to me is perfect. Who produced it's, that? Uh, Ken uh, Nelson produced that record and Ken Nelson died um, last year, I believe. But I read a, I read, oh yeah, I read a cool thing on Ken Nelson. He produced a bunch of those early Buck Owens records and, and a ton of the Merle Haggard stuff, especially the mm-hmm. early stuff. And I read a quote from Ken Nelson one time that 
he said uh, he was in producing Merle those early records and he would forget that he was the producer and he'd go back into the control room and listen to the band actually cutting the track and Merle singing the vocal uh-huh. as it was going, as it was going down. Yeah. And he said, I would forget that I was the producer because he was so good that he, he mesmerized him uh, that he would just, you know, he'd be get lost in Leave his the board. He did just go, you know, yeah, he was a fan. He became a fan while he was producing him. Yeah. And I just thought that was so powerful, you know, just really mm-hmm. cool. Really cool. Can you tell I like Merle Haggard? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's wonderful. Love him. I like Love Merle. Him. I like the old outlaws. That's that's you know, when people talk about country, that's where I go. Yeah. You know, um George Jones George and Waylon and Waylon and Willie and and I mean, Waylon, actually, I got damn, uh, you know, <laughs> great, oof. isn't it? His voice, his voice cuts my soul. It, yep. It's just so goddamn beautiful. Yeah, he he was powerful. You know, I, uh, I kind of, I, I, I realized how great Waylon was when I was young. I, I didn't go crazy over him like I did Haggard and Buck Owens and mm-hmm. all that that Bakersfield thing. Mm-hmm. But as I got older and listened to some of those records. Um, and now when I hear him, I'm thinking, oh, my God. I mean, it, it really better. The guy, like you said, the voice cut right through. Okay. And he was original, you know, so original. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he was doing things just his own way. Yep. I, I remember my stepbrother used to listen to Charlie Pride. Oh, love Charlie Pride. Love yeah, him. he's a sweet voice. You so, know, just a real nice. So, so the, first, the first time I, uh, I got to play the Grand Ole Opry back, you know, in 1999 or 2000 or what, maybe two year 2000s. God, it seems like yesterday, but it's been 20 years. Um, so my first time out to the Opry to get to play there, um, I go to open the door and the first, and the guy standing at the door when I open it is Charlie pride. And I'm like, really? Oh yeah. It was just um, unbelievable. You know, just see a legend right there. He is, you know, it was really uh-huh. cool. Really cool. Yeah. He's just good. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, good. And, and uh, Roy, What's that guy's name? The Roy from the, he, his name is Roy. He played uh, Roy Clark. Oh yeah, Roy Clark. Sure, guitar Jesus. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guitar love, player. Love watching him play guitar. He just, what I love about watching Roy Clark play, is just seeing how fucking happy he looked playing. Well, well, you know, the guy was an entertainer. You know, he, he, he just, he was a great guitar player, but also he was a great entertainer. And um, well, that's why they had him on Hee Haw. Exactly. Now, Buck Owens was my man on there, though. Oh, yeah, I love Bo. I got no to despair. I got to sing. Uh, I got to sing when I had my record deal in Virgin Records. I was invited out to California to uh, to sing um, for Buck's 70th birthday party. A bunch of artists were invited, um, you know, recording artists. And uh, I sat right behind Buck all night. And then I got to get up and sing a song for him at his birthday party. Oh, you did one and, of his? You covered one of his? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Every artist on the on the oh. deal did a, did a Buck Owens song. I did, uh, I did, uh, I think I did Don't Let Her Know. Um, don't let her know, don't let her know how much I care. I think that's what I did, but it was good. The band was smoking and, uh, and you know, Buck was there. And it was, it was just really cool. I, I ended up actually... Uh, after that, I ended up going out when we were on the road, uh, you know, touring with my record. I got to go play Bakersfield um, in the Crystal Palace, which is Buck's place. Mm-hmm. 
and it was cool because all my guys in the band were young guys, but they were they were hip to Buck Owens. They just loved Buck Owens and Don Rich, who was Buck's guitar player, who's you know world well, class. Buck, Buck ended player. up getting a punk rock following for a while. Oh yeah, he was just so hip and cool. Yeah, definitely. But when we when we went out there to play, uh, we got to uh, we pulled in early that day, and Buck uh, he came uh, down to the club and hung out with the band. And myself and Janet, my wife, uh, backstage and talked to him for about an hour and got pictures and everything. And just a great time. Just, you know, just just to get to meet him and talk about old times was really cool. He seems like one of those people that just be folks instantly, like like you've known him forever. You know, he just seems like one of those kind of people. Oh, Is that true? It, it was exactly. We in fact, I wrote a song uh, within the last year. I finally finished it. Um, it's called my Buck Owens song. And it's basically a true story about getting to go out there and meeting him and uh, what he meant to me throughout my um, you know, career. Uh, I actually really like the song. I haven't got to record it yet, but I, I'm hoping to maybe this fall get to do a new record. And I'll put that on there for sure because I like the song a bunch. You going to get yourself a red, white, and blue guitar? Yeah, no, I need to. I know it. I know Can't it. take it that far. Yeah. You know, that, that that's an interesting thing. Most people, um, or a lot of people that I've met, they think of Buck Owens as the hee-haw guy, red, white, and blue guitar. He was uh, such a staple on TV. That's true. But 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 the, the, the really true fans of, of early country music, uh, they remember Buck like I do from, you know, his early records together again, My Heart Skips a Beat, um, all that stuff, because he was uh, through the 60s. He I mean, he was on top of the charts nonstop. He was the guy. We had the Buckaroos. Uh, oh, yeah. So good. You know, that band was so good. There's a mm-hmm. one of my favorite records of all time is uh, live at Carnegie Hall. It's Buck Owens and uh, the Buckaroos live. And that show is the band so tight on that. And it's live. It's It's unbelievable. Treat yourself to that. If you don't know that, Gary, that's a great record. Yeah, oh, I yeah. Live, live at Carnegie Hall. So good. I'm going to have to do a little Spotify country list here pretty soon. Yeah. Interesting story. Man, I'm, I'm just, whose show is this? I'm chatting like crazy, man. This is uh, your show. This is Garland Pepper Presents, and I'm presenting Jerry Kilgore. <laughs> I, uh, when I, uh, like the last two years in Tennessee, I was playing down on Broadway, uh, which is the, you know, where all the honky tonks are down there. And I actually got to have Buck Owens' original drummer, Willie Cantu, uh, on the drums playing behind me. And it was super cool. In fact, in fact, I took Willie to uh, Norway, I think it was. Yeah, we, t- we, we did some shows in Norway and, and got to take him. And it was what a special treat and what a great drummer and a great guy, for so sure. So you've got these little European niches. Like American, there's a lot of American bands that have European niches. Like they do okay in some spots in America, but they have these little niches in England or Norway or France or whatever, you know, yeah. just like all of a sudden there's like a big following there. And you yeah. have some of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I actually have a little of that still. I, uh, I don't get over often and play, you know, it's, it's a smaller scene over there for sure, but there are people that just uh, in my experience of going over there that love real country music, you know, steel guitar, fiddle. They don't, well, at least the people that come and see my shows, they, they're they not crazy about the pop new country, but they love, you know, traditional country. I've right. been over there. I've been over there with uh, 
excuse me, with Gene Watson, who's one of the greatest all-time country singers, and Mo Bandy I went over with. I went over with Johnny Rodriguez, which was one of the best trips ever because mm-hmm. I've, I've been a big fan of his forever. Mm-hmm. And the people are just, yeah, you're right. They, they get a little niche following over there, and they buy your records, and they follow you, and they wait for the next record to come out, and they buy it. And so uh, it's, it's kind of a really neat thing because it's just a different thing. It's not controlled over there so much like it is, the industry is here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. they wouldn't even look at something that's not formulated. I mean, based right. upon what's coming out, it's all formula. Well, and now it, they're adding rap. Yeah, it it, it is. Uh, I mean, top forty country radio is, but there is a lot of you know great Texas. That Texas scene, you know, is great. There's some really super great artists out there right now that mm-hmm. might not be getting played on country radio, but they're touring a lot and people know who they are. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. Well, you know, actually, there's there's so many places to go with music now. And and radio is becoming less relevant, I think, especially as kids get more and more connected to their phones and, you know, whatever streaming platform they decide, you know, they can listen to whatever they want. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. You know, and, and it's, it's just a different time. You know, it's it's uh, it's more song driven. Uh, at this mm-hmm. stage of the game where, you know, you probably used to listen to records. I did. Albums. I, yeah. Full uh, albums. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they, they had a story in them. Well, people had attention span, you know, back then anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they, they move on pretty quick. I so don't know. a lot of stoners <laughs> in prog rock. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Those progressive rock albums that just went on and told the whole story, like 2112. Yeah. You know, I don't know if yeah. you ever knew that one, but no, it's a full story. Both sides of the album is a full story it's an epic and who is it rush oh rush no it's, I, I... yeah it's called 2112 and the idea is that the, you know the whole society has changed and there are big power forces and yeah it's yeah it's, it's a very good it's a futuristic oh album. cool yeah, yeah cool that's cool but you know country just gets to, to personal stories i think that's one of the deep beauties of it and that's why i like the storytelling crooners yeah when it comes to country oh yeah oh yeah there have been some great ones that's for sure Mm -hmm. the new uh the new country music um ken burns documentaries done very well you know i don't know if you've seen that or i haven't seen it yet i need to listen with that maybe your listeners you'll need to check it out too if they're interested it's a it's really done well and just the history of country music, you know, Ken Burns does such a great job. So really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he does an amazing job. I've, I've watched, you really got to commit. Yep. When you, when you go into a Ken Burns thing. And I think that's a lot of the reason why I don't go into a lot of them. Right. Cause I do, you know, I, I do want to commit. Yeah. You know, completely. And so, you know, if you're going to go into jazz or you're going to go into baseball or you're going to go into sure. Vietnam or you're going to go, I mean, all of these things, they're <laughs> epics. And, and there is just a Ken Burns style that, that, you know, can kind of make you fall asleep. Yeah. He, he, he had a lot to cover with the history of country music. And, and I've read some, you know, reviews that some people didn't like it because he, you know, didn't cover everything. But how do you cover all that? How you know do you? I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw that with jazz too. Yeah. yeah and exactly. why didn't you call out so and so for being a racist or whatever? You know, it was just right. Like, right. You know, I mean, everybody's going to look for their view to be hit. Yeah. And if anybody can get as close to almost all views, 
that are presented about a topic, Ken Burns is probably yeah. your guy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. He he walks around the subject fifteen ways from Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So you are on furlough. Is that true? I am. I am right now. I'm uh, out for what have I gotten? Two more weeks, I guess. Two and so a, two. You, and a... you, you've been at projects and such. Is that what you've been up to? You know, I have. I uh, I've been. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know if you know. If I've ever told you, but I'm into old airstreams. You know, the I old... saw one you posted the other day. What year was that one? Uh, that was a 1956, and that's called the Airstream Bubble. And it's is a pretty pretty rare um, a rare airstream. There's not a lot of them out there that have survived, but uh, it's a it's a cool little trailer. You know, little the body's like 13 feet long in that trailer, so it's tiny. But they're they're actually a little more sought after the small ones. But uh, yeah, I took it on its first trip over to Tillamook uh, last weekend and uh, had a great time in it. Oh, pretty you did? Cool. Yeah, yeah. It was a toad. Didn't even know it was behind me, man. It's so little. It was toad great. And it just floats. I mean, those, just, those airstreams are aerodynamic, so they really don't, you don't feel the wind at all. You actually don't. I mean, of course, this thing's so small, it doesn't even weigh, it, it doesn't even weigh 1,800 pounds. You know, it's tiny. What, um, what are the, what's the frame on those? Just a steel frame yep. on the bottom? A steel frame, aluminum upper, and, you know, the skins are all riveted aircraft, you know, uh, style, uh, you know, put together by rivets. Uh, they're just yeah. very, very well made. They're real popular right now. I don't know if you know, but they're, yeah, they're, they're very popular. They're getting, they're getting real. In fact, I just bought one. Um, what did I buy that a couple of weeks ago over and, uh, out of, what was that guy? Springfield, I believe it was up on marketplace. I bought, picked one up and, uh, got it in the backyard. Now it's a 22 foot long 1960s Airstream. Oh, that's a big one. So what happens when you get one, do you uh, go in and kind of clean it up? Are they usually pretty good condition? Um, I've had some that are, you can see the frame down through the floor, you know, the floor is rotted out of them. I've had them in all different conditions, but this one had been sitting 25 years um, uh, under a tarp and on a tarp and uh, original owner. And it was pretty, it's pretty, pretty stinky inside, you know, had musty, musty, wet. Yeah. Yep. Wet, moldy. I, I cleaned it out and, uh, uh, I don't really get into, you know, restoring them. I like just kind of, you know, cleaning them up and kind of passing them on to the next person that's into maybe redoing them. You know, I actually sold this one already. It's I already sold it. So I just got making a little change on each one. Yeah. Yeah. not, Not, you know, Taking people yeah. to the cleaners, but just no, making a little. Just making a little enough to to save the trailer and and let somebody else, you know, do what they want to it. And and like I say, they're getting hard to find, and it's part of the fun, is part of you know hunting them down. So, yeah, and and you've kind of become mm-hmm. a guy that's known for being able to find them and get them. To well, people. I I'm, there's a lot of major players. I'm I'm just it's a hobby for me, but there there are people out there that are that are, you know, doing it daily, retired, actually out hunting them down. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't do that. If I get lucky and come across one, I'm fine. You know, it's interesting That's... what pops back into popular culture. Cause you couldn't sell a travel trailer for a long time. Oh God. If I, 20 years ago, if you had a guy been in airstreams and found everyone and bought them, you'd, you know, you'd retire today for sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that hindsight stuff. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. So you you will travel to get these, and I, I think people will travel to get them to pick them up from you. Well, I actually, uh, yeah, I've sold in a, my first trailer I ever bought. I sold to a lady in uh, St. Louis. It was a St. Louis somewhere, somewhere back there. And she bought it for a, a photo booth and she still actually has the trailer. And, and I bought one actually in St. Louis and had it delivered to me. That's the, the little one I have now. That's that kind of get, getting a little crazy there, but, but I did. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just a fun hobby, you know, mm-hmm. gives Your my house. mind. You bought a new house, so everything's just kind of there, right? Uh, we actually had a, it. was my first house uh, I've ever had built um, here in Redmond. Oh, you had it built? Yeah, we had it built at a subdivision, and uh, that was uh, a fun experience. And we got a really nice house, and, and very fortunate, really lucky. Mm-hmm. Really lucky. So you lived in Prineville for a while. We did, yeah. Like yeah. Prineville. Liked it okay out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little far away from everything. Well, we but were it's always yeah. really quiet. It's a it's a well set up town. It, it is. We, I mean, you we, come into it; it's beautiful. It's got the golf courses. You're coming around the hill, so you see this green little thing. Beautiful. And then you see yeah. the town. They got the park with the walkway, really, all the way th- along the river. Yeah, yeah. And so people can get out and walk, and there's you know nice uh, recreational things like tennis courts and basketball, and I think they even had a small skate thing in that park so yeah it's it's a pretty cool little town out there oh really cool and uh we we really liked it out there but we were we were driving a lot to bend and redmond all the time i just didn't want to do that forever so we ended up just coming to uh you know getting over to redmond couldn't afford bend but redmond uh, it was doable you know yeah Yeah. what's that yeah, I like that. What was that? <laughs> no, I just, uh, what's this song? Well, uh, let's see. How about that? You recognize that? God, yeah, I, I'm not <laughs> placing it, though. What the hell is that? That is, that's, uh, what is that song? Is it an old lick? Top? No, it's, it's an old... Uh, God, I've done that lick for what is that? Uh, yeah, oh, it's, it's a Sam, Sammy Sammy Hagar song. Oh, it is. Yeah. How about this one? Ah. You know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. It's, a, it's a great build build up. Is that thirty eight special? Yeah. Anyway, I just had my guitar waiting here. I was like playing it before I called you. Yeah, it. That's how you get your. Is that your Zen? Yeah, my little my little spare bedroom here. I come in here and just goof around, you know. So, you've been playing since you were what? How old? You know, I took uh, I took a guitar lesson from a guy named Denny Nixon, mm-hmm. who you know, who you I know. I love Denny Nixon. Yeah, I took a guitar lesson from Denny when I was about probably twelve years old. Denny was from Tillamook, and he. Uh, he ended up after giving me a lesson or two, he bought a nightclub there in Tillamook and he wasn't able to give lessons anymore. He didn't have time. So I just kind of started playing on my own. I, you know, I never got to be a great guitar player, but you know, I play enough to write a song and, and, uh, front a band. So, but, but Denny, Denny's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Denny, Denny was, I love the way Denny picked. He was a flat picker. He was and, a thumb uh, picker. Thumb picker. He was a thumb picker. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I made it a point to get into a production with Denny once. We did a, I did a, we were doing a launching of a scratch at the Wild Sevens, and so the whole theme was, I was the crocodile hunter, and I'm yeah. looking, and I'm looking for these wild sevens. Oh, I see one in its habitat, and we had like <laughs> yeah. this, um, we had an artist working for us at the time, and he made this giant seven, and we had it like with its babies and then it like went after people because somebody took one of its babies and then it's chasing me through the lottery. Like there's a seven chasing me through the lottery, like everywhere. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And then they're watching the show in statewide. And then I come running in and Denny's already kind of set up and he's doing, doing a little song. I said, we need to calm him down. Denny, he's angry. We need to calm him down. Play us a song. And so he started playing the song and the seven got calm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is yeah. a, the good old days, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, D- it was pretty creative back then. D- Denny was, uh, he is, a, he's, you know, I've known Denny forever. He's just a great guy. And I actually idolized Denny when I was a kid. I, you know, he played music around, uh, uh, around Tillamook. He played the nightclubs. In fact, my mom and dad used to take me down to a place called the Dutch Mill where he played. Mm-hmm. And we and I was, you know, probably 14, 15, and we'd sit out in the parking lot while, while he his band played in there so I could hear him, you know. It was just great old times, you know. They reopened it, the Dutch Mill. Yeah, exactly. They sure did. I know the, I, I graduated with the guy that opened that. Yep, that, guy's, sure. that guy's a hustler. Yeah, O'Terry. Yeah, he's a hustler. <laughs> yeah, he's got he like took... a garden cruise going. He's got like a couple businesses outside of that. He's got like just... He's running shit up and down the coast. He's, he's oh, yeah. Oh, he sure is. Good guy. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, old Danny. Good good dude. Have you heard from him? I talked to him about a month ago, I guess. I call him every couple months, every month. Well, um, if you could do me a favor after this is done and text me his number, because I had one, but it doesn't get through. So, you know, he would be a great podcast guy for you. He oh, has done. God, he, I would love it. He, He's done so much uh, musically uh, back in the, you know, I was a kid. He actually went to California and, and cut records. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember, I, I remember one of the songs was called uh, roll big iron roll, I think, or something like that. But anyway, oh, Denny, who did, Denny, that? Who did I, that? That was his I, song. I might not have been called that, but he had a, he had a trucker song that I think he wrote that he recorded and down there in California, I can't remember where he did that, but anyway, uh, Capitol Studios, maybe, but mm-hmm. Denny, Denny, um, he had he had all the stuff, man. He he had the looks. He was a great guitar, great singer. Just was so smooth, you know. He's a smooth character through and through, though. Denny, yeah, Denny, yeah. Denny's Denny's an OG. <laughs> you know, he's got he's got that wry smile, like he knows yeah. everybody's bullshit. Oh he, yeah, and he ain't playing it. Yeah, he's cool. I'll uh, I'll text you his number when we we're done, uh, Gary, so you could uh, catch up with him. He'd he'd really like that. Oh, I'd love to talk to Denny. He's he's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yep. yep. No no doubt about it. So you start playing there, and you get the bug though. You get the bug to play music. You feel like this is you. This is who you are. This is how you need to express yourself in life. And you and you're hoping that the world will accept that. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't, I don't think too much about the world accepting it. I just, um, I've always just kind of done what felt right to me. I never really, I don't feel like I've ever tried to be anybody else. And you know, me, um, not even yeah. when you were young and delusional. 
Uh, not, well, I, there was a time where I thought I was George Strait, maybe, but but I grew out of that. I grew out of that pretty fast. I played tennis one time. I'm Jan, John McEnroe, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, so delusional. Yeah, no, George, uh, he's been he's been a huge influence. Um, and uh, so when I first started out, you know, I knew all these songs and I saw him. I saw him there in Portland right when he was when he was new. You know, he came out and uh, played a place called the Flower Drum. It was a big honky tonk there in Portland. Mm-hmm. And I ended up playing that club a few years later when I finally got a band and my first band, um, kind of a full circle moment. But um, I got to do a George Strait tour. That talk about full circle moment. Um, oh, uh, wow. We're gonna brag a little. I, I yeah, let's uh, hear this. Uh, well, I I ended up. Uh, I actually got to meet George back. It probably was around ninety six or seven he was recording a record down on music row and i was living with a studio musician named matt rollins mm-hmm. who who was playing on his records and and i was living with matt and he knew how much i liked him so he called one day and he uh said if you if you come on kind of come on down right now to the studio you uh george is uh getting ready to take a lunch break you get to meet him so i took off down there and got in there you know behind the gate and all that stuff and and sure enough all the studio musicians were standing outside beautiful day and then George came walking out and I got to meet him and he said, Oh, you keep, keep doing what you're doing and it'll happen for you. It was just super nice. And then he got on uh, the producers, Harley Davidson. He took off down music road, just took off, you know, and kind of just a really cool moment to get a him And, and <laughs> uh, right yeah, off into the yeah, sunset. Yeah, yeah. Fans were probably, you know, all the tourists, they're probably seeing him on the bike. Hey, that was George Strait, you know, but, but, uh, but several years later, I, I ended up, uh, getting my record deal on Virgin Records. Uh, we put a single out called Love Trip. And then uh, I got to... That, I, I saw, that's a good one. I like the video too. Thank you, man. Thanks. And, and I got to do a George Strait tour. It was uh, as an opening act, you know. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So that was kind of a full circle moment. Um, but one of the stupid things, one of the stupid things I've ever done was uh, we were out on tour and the last show was in Houston, Texas. And, uh, that night, um, I had had, I was dating a girl from Oregon. She had flown down with her friend to, uh, to see us down there in Texas. And, uh, the next day after the show was fanfare. So I had to get up early. So that night after it was, they had a huge party. Every act that was on the bill got to go to a private party. Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Kenny Chesney, George Strait. There was a ton of them. Jeez. Got to go to the after party. So you're uh, just all a guy. No, no, like, ah. no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying it very well. So I, me and my girlfriend did not go to that oh, because, you because, uh, you know, <laughs> I had to get up early in the morning. And anyway, long story, sh- long story short, we didn't go to the party, but woke up the next day and, and uh, saw a band member in the elevator and said, Hey, where were you last night? He goes, man, every, every act on the bill, got to sing a, a, a song of their choice with George Strait. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, they got, they got, they got to sing a song with and George you, Strait. And you missed and I, it. And I missed it. So that was, that's, oh. my, that's my dumbass attack. That's your big so, lament. <laughs> exactly. You're still pissed off about that yeah, after, oh, what, well, still how many talking, years ago? Still tell the story, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a missed opportunity. You got a little something for us? You want to sing us a song? Let's... Oh no, I'm just I'm a goofing. Yeah. Now let's see if I got I'll see if I can. Yeah, let's hear them pipes. 
I've been loving for nothing, get nothing for love in return. And I've been holding my heart to fire, watching it burn. Gave my love to someone, now something's come over her. And I've been loving for nothing, getting nothing for loving return. There you go, a little bit of something. That was beautiful, man. Thank you, man. Thanks. That's sad. <laughs> Thank That's you. Sad. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whew. <laughs> you got a great voice, man. You really Thank do. you. Thank you, you really dear. Do. I mean. Thank you. So, you you spent how many years down in in, in Tennessee? Oh, geez, uh, <clears throat> I was there close to twenty five years, I guess. I was a uh, I was writing songs, you know, that whole time and, and, uh, you know, chasing down the dream, you know, and trying to make it happen. Um, but, uh, it took me, I guess, let's see, it was probably was it 10 years or so before I landed my record deal, mm-hmm. ended up getting that on Virgin, which was, uh, it was Virgin Nashville. It was a subsidiary off, you know, the big Virgin label. Right. And they were a new label there. And, uh, long story short, I was the first Mel act they signed, you know, we put a bunch of money into a record and uh dream come true. And then getting out on the road and wasn't long after that, they ended up closing the door to Virgin, let, yeah, Virgin Nashville. And they mm-hmm. kind of left me stranded out there, you know, without a, a record label, which, you know, you're not going to get played on the radio without a record label. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so from that day on, I just kind of started doing my own thing, record my own records and uh, doing the overseas thing. And, you know, keeping a country, you know? Yeah. Do you publish to like, I mean, you can self-publish now to these different apps, right? Like SoundCloud and things like that. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and yeah. And if anybody's listening, that's interested I, you know, my stuff's on iTunes and CD baby or any, all those sites out there have it, you know, mm-hmm. but anyway, you writing anything new? Yeah, I'm, I've got a, I've got a, a, a good, uh, I got a good record. Um, I think I'm ready to record it. I finally, got the tunes and I'm, I'm ready to do it. I've just been, I'm trying to figure out how I want to approach this next one. I've always done my, my records in Nashville with studio players and stuff, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about maybe, just trying something different. Maybe recording it out here with, with, uh, you know, barroom players and just to see if I can capture yeah. something, capture something else, you know, well, my, something. My- my girl Lindsay Feathers, who uh, you should look her up. She plays. She's a sweet boy. She got. She's kind of old timey country, um, and and she blends over to rock. She's she's you know. Yeah. Uh, but she's she's a sweet soul. She just start. Uh, she's now the CEO of Artichoke Records in Portland. Uh huh. Artichoke Records and Recording. So you know. I'll have to ask about, I have to look her up. I'm sure she, I'm sure a lot of the way into your vibe. Well, and I think, I think there's probably a a lot of players that I know up there that probably know her if she's into the Portland scene, you know? Yeah. And she probably like, if you need a steel guitar guy, she could probably find you one, you know? Yeah. I mean, any, any instrument guy, unless you want to pull your guys up. 
Have you found some guys yet? I mean, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've, I've working with some good players. I mean, I've, I've thrown together some guys. Uh, nice. They're all they're they're all out of Portland, but I got a really good little steel player, a couple of steel players to call. Uh, a good little band. In fact, there's a there's a drummer out of uh, Lapine down here that he's uh, he was out with Haggard before, when Merle died, and now he's been out with uh, Chris Christopherson for you know the last well since Merle died, he's been out with. Um, with Chris and the, uh, and Merle's kids out playing. Huh. And so he's a great, he's a great drummer. He'd be perfect. Out in fit. Line, though. I mean, so everybody's yep. got to travel for you to get a gig. I mean, so yeah, yeah. You, you go up to Portland or they all come to Redmond. What happens there? I've been doing when, when I play, I haven't been doing much, but it's been here in Redmond and Bend. I did a winery gig last summer. Uh, I did that as a single, but um, they usually come over here. Although I did go over to Washington State and played at a really cool place. Uh, I can't even think of the name of the damn place. But anyway, uh, that was this last winter, and that was a blast. And the band was killer. Uh, just really good time. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So I've, I've got players to to get in the studio. And there's some, there's some really nice studios around here, Ben. I mean, we're talking well, – we're talking, you know, Nashville vibe, good, you know, that good equipment. Well, yeah. 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 Well, it is Ben. There's some money sitting around. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, Dad, just give me all the money. I'll start the studio. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a place called, I think it's called Soundsmith, if I remember right. But I've talked to the guy that owns it. He's a super cool dude. And um, he had actually, Robert Plant in there when they came through and was playing the uh, the amphitheater Les Schwab there in Bend. I they saw came... that it was an amazing show. Did was it good? Yeah. Oh yeah. I I was you know I wasn't expecting it. You know yeah. I, I lowered my expectations because you know he's old and he's known for his voice. Whose voice lasts that long? Right. Right. He's, he's pretty. He's still he's still he... pretty damn good. You know yeah. he can't hit the shit he was doing, but he was doing extra high stuff at 18 that other 18s couldn't do and 22. no no I mean, his voice was so super high when he wanted it to be unbelievable rock singer one of the best yeah. ever if but not he's the still best. still pretty fucking amazing yeah and the band had to be super cool i'm sure the band was excellent um yeah it was just i was it was a really good evening i was very pleasantly surprised because sometimes well, you go to see an old legend and it's an old legend. That's the show you get as an sure, old legend. Sure, you know, sure, like, Oh yeah, there's the novelty, but it wasn't a great show. Yeah, he. Uh, but anyway, his band and uh, they went over to the studio I'm talking about and recorded some stuff while he was in town, which I thought was really cool. That tells you something about the studio. Sure. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if he's going there, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Unless he got out of there and said, "God, that sucked. Never go back there." I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you <laughs> check out his Yelp. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So sound, sound. My my son-in-law is a sound engineer. Oh. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, he's he's got Firefish Studios. Um, his name is Dylan Barr. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's done. A few albums for the Psychobillies. Okay. Yeah. Which are kind of a bluegrass. They're a bluegrass band. Okay. And uh, so he's done a couple of theirs. He's done he's done several little albums. And uh, yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, check them out. Um, I'm, I'm sure he'd love to do some recording. 
Yeah, I'll check it. I'll definitely check. And uh, Dylan Barr. So mm-hmm. is that, uh, if I looked him up, I'd find his uh, stuff he's recorded. Firefish Studios, maybe. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I, I know recording people, but I don't I don't know how they make a living because I don't know how anybody's making a living in music anymore. Tough, man. Tough. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be it'd be hard to do, you know. I'm working a day gig. That's how I can still play, you know. Yeah, but you didn't have to work a day gig when you were in Tennessee, or did you? Oh, I, I did some. I did off and off gigs. Yeah, I worked at a Western Boot store back when, you know, Garth was uh, – the day when he was uh, really, really hitting. I mean, I know he's still huge, but back in his in his really heyday. You know, I love Garth. Yeah, I really do. Um, but I think he is the emergent of the systems music movement. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the formulaic. I mean, they kind of he changed the way the shows happened. Yeah, he uh, super. Uh, super um i mean i think he's really thought about i mean think i think he's got it he's got it all angles figured out the showbiz the biz he's smart in that way no doubt but as Mm -hmm. a but but as as an artist um i've always thought he is uh he can sell and sing a song like nobody he's just really great and he's a great musician you know he's been playing forever yeah he's really just really good yeah oh friends and friends in low places yep shit yeah, Man, I saw. On. I saw such a great song. You yeah. watch a bar erupt when that song comes on. Oh yeah, God's and they all quiet. look at each other like, "I love you too." They're like, <laughs> "You dumbass, low life <laughs> motherfucker." Yeah, I love you. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of that song. Yeah, no doubt. I I saw Garth when I was living in the Carolinas before I moved to Tennessee. He was out and hadn't. Well, he was just starting to hit it. But anyway, it was a big outdoor festival and I my parents were back there and we went to same beautiful night. He was actually wasn't the headliner. Ronnie Millsap was a headliner. And uh he came out before uh Millsap and just tore the place down and we were all like, Okay, that guy is gonna be uh huge. Oh you he, know? he was the opener. Don't you yeah Ronnie yeah. was hating that shit. Why'd we open no, with this uh, guy? It was he's, so good. Yeah, it was really he's good. Making me look like I should have opened. Yeah, really good. And he's uh, made Ronnie's, he, he, Ronnie's a solid show though. Oh yeah, he's so good, so good. All those guys are so good. One thing I really love about the old old timey country folks, or you know, most most of these country folks is they really work their shit out. Like their songs are really worked out. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, there's just some great craftsmen there in Nashville writing songs that know, you know, get together at 10 o'clock every morning and write, a, a, you know, a smash hit. I mean, there's guys that have that down, too. And then there's guys like Haggard that wrote them, I think, when he felt them out on the road or whatever. Sure. And th- th- that's a little different thing, too, you know. And you got Dick Carter's father who kind of hiked around yeah. Appalachia and just found other people's tunes. Yeah. Give, yeah, give, no. give them a couple bucks and get it. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I uh, I did that. I wrote for a publisher back there for several years, and you know, you do the ten o'clock meeting and one o'clock meeting session, songwriting session, see what you write with the guy, and and ho- hopefully write something you can get cut. You know, so. Oh, that's got to be really tough. It's a it's a it's a factory. I mean, it's a. How do you, know, you we prepare talk about... your mind for that? Yeah. 
Well, you just, I mean, you just get, I, I never got real good at that because it, uh, it was just wearing on me. And, um, there are guys that are just really good at doing that. Um, I, I did it for a while and I, you know, I wrote some hit songs, but, but, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I couldn't do it for the long haul for sure. So it's the music business's equivalent. What's that, Gary? The comedy writing room. It's a music music business's equivalent to the comedy well, writing. Kinda, room. I guess you could say so. Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought that that would just be a really Pretty, awesome uh, job. I don't know. I think guys get real good at that. There, there's some songwriters that have you know, made millions and millions of dollars off of doing that, you know, meeting, meeting at 10 o'clock, writing a hit, getting Tim McGraw to record or George Strait to record it, making a ton of money, you know? So, but those guys are, so those guys don't have to focus on yeah, they do. words. I mean, I mean, but they get them written for them so that they can focus on their music. Their well, tone, I mean, you know, the, everything the, else. the artists will get the, will get the song, you know, I mean, they'll, the writers will write it. And it'll get demoed, you know, someone will do a, a demo, demo tape on it and then they'll pitch it over to the, to the artist or the artist producer. They'll listen and, and if something hits them, a lot of times they'll, uh, you know, they'll go in and record it, make a record, do their own thing on it, you know. And that's, you know, George, George yeah. Strait didn't write I, songs for years. He uh, recorded other people's songs, but I mean, other writers' songs, but you'd think he'd written them. He was that good at selling them, you know. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Right, so there's there's that burden that George he didn't, didn't have. have. To, I don't I don't have to come up did not. with the ideas. I just get to present. Yep, he's, them. He, and he's one of the best ever. And uh, he has been writing though his last six or seven records. He's been writing a lot and writing some really cool stuff. You know, really really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh nice. You know the writer songwriter. There's a hubris that exists there. There's this kind of they kind of get locked in their own world when you're a writer, singer, oh, yeah, songwriter. no doubt. And it's it's a matter of you know how much people are interested in yeah. that world. But they're a hundred percent authentic. That's the thing oh. I love about a singer songwriter is <laughs> they're a hundred percent authentic. Their stories that they're telling are their stories. Oh no doubt. Who, who, who's the gal that uh, we uh, Nan, is it Nancy Griffith that dates uh, or goes with Robert Plant? Is that her Nancy Griffith? Yeah. Uh, un, uh, un, didn't she sing? Un, yes. If you don't know um, her stuff, it'll blow your mind. It's it's so good. Check her out. She she, she opened for him. She, she, she might she have. And she's out of control. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and she's written a bunch of hits for you know Dixie Chicks and recorded big hits of hers. Uh, Super talented, great. You know what? I've listened to the old podcasts of um, these yeah. old rock stars. They always go back to. So all of these rock stars, you know, they were growing up in post-war. Uh, the, the English rock stars, they were growing up in post-war yeah. England. So like the Who and 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 you know Plant and the Beatles and all of them, they were growing up in post-war. And so one of the things that really was interesting is that if you were attached to a shipping town, say like Liverpool or whatever, you got a lot better music coming in because there was this huge black market trade between the ports of America and the ports of England. 
with oh, cassettes, interesting cassette tapes, and and in, in in the beginning it was 45s and LPs. So a music store in a shipping town would have a whole lot more American Delta Blues, American Country, and you know that kind of stuff. And so these boys were all listening to that stuff, and that's where the British rock oh. came from. It came from America. And the other thing that was interesting is that they had no access to actual good instruments. Oh, interesting. So like Roger Daltrey, yeah. he basically built his first guitar out of like a box and some strings and such. And it kind of worked. And his buddy was, it was, it was a jug band, basically. They were, they had a bass that was a wash tub. They had, you know, some guy playing you know, drums yeah. on something wow. else, you know what I mean? On, on, on a bucket. And that's how they, they kind of got their music going. And then his uncle, who actually, I guess was a luthier luthier kind of looked at his guitar and said, well, let me help you make a better one. And they made a better wow. one, but uh, cool. Yeah. Real uh-huh. cool. Yeah. It's just these organic roots of where music oh, comes no from. You know, like, like, Oh, Carter running through the hills of Appalachia. I died. That, that story is, is yeah, really cool. Of course he was a bad father. He was never home just seeking out music. Oh, yeah, right. Let her son go off of that Johnny right, boy. Exactly. <laughs> let her daughter, let his daughter go off of that Johnny boy. <laughs> For sure. So you're a, uh, you're in the central yes, Oregon now and there's 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 a whole beauty there is there. yeah it's hotter than hell today i know that it's not beautiful but it's hotter yes. than hell here i don't get a picture but i'm standing in my kitchen without a shirt <laughs> on because my shirt was yeah, too hot i'm burning up here and we got the ac on and wow it just of course it's been it's been real cool though it hasn't been it's like the first really warm warm day we've had Right, and that's the problem, and we're not ready for it. Our bodies haven't right, right, exactly. at all. And I'm out there shoveling dirt today. I kind of got a little dizzy <laughs> there, and I decided to I'm stop. doing the same. I'm cutting out flower beds, and, uh, and I've got I've to deliver my the Airstream I sold uh, tomorrow morning, so i got to take it to Ben, to the people. I told them I'd deliver it, so what are you going to do? Oh. Well, that's not too no, far. No, no, fifteen miles or so. Fifteen yeah. miles. Yeah, it won't be bad. Yeah, yeah stop halfway if you get tired. <laughs> you know, go back to the airstream, make yourself. No, a cup the damn of thing's got the original tires on it, Gary. You don't understand the original tires. I mean, they're. <laughs> oh, you're a little, you're a little scared. Although, although the guy I bought it from, he he brought it over from Salem to me. So on these tires, so I hope I make oh, it fifteen more miles on them. I think I will. Yeah, looks like Les Schwab's going to get a. Yeah, they will. <laughs> not on my dime, they're not. So, I was hauling a dump load the other day, and and my tr- there was a lot of people behind me because I was just kind of yeah. going slow. So just as I pulled over, my whole tire just shredded. Oh, I was like, oh, that was that's good timing. That's that was good. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. So you know, we lifted her up, changed the tire. You know, went yeah. to swab. Got some lunch, oh, man. Back. I just stepped outside. It is a gorgeous night here, man. Woo! Nice. So I'm about 20 minutes, um, 
until that sun dips behind the hillside for me. Yeah, you like it over there? And you then, like it, Gary? You like it over there? I do. The winters are hard for me. Yeah. Um, but every other season is magnificent. Yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it yeah. is something about the something about the valley. It's cool over there. I like. I like. I love going in the summer. You know, there's something about the smell over there. I just love it. You know. Well, I just unearthed earth, and it smells like dead cat piss. <laughs> I mean, I never noticed earth to smell bad. No, my my earth doesn't smell bad. Well, mine no, does. Yeah. It smells bad. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know what to do about it. But I, I think it'll go away. Yeah, I hope so, man. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna put grass seed all over it. <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna turn it into lawn. It's gonna be amazing. I hear you. I hear you. So, Jer, I wish you the best of luck. I think uh, are you, you're still doing music. So, you know, maybe one day all of a sudden it hits. You never know. Well, maybe we'll get over there in that area to do something one of these times. I'd love to. I'd love to come over to Portland area and do some shows. So we'll uh, we'll keep everybody posted. And uh, I really appreciate you inviting me on your podcast. I hope I hope this goes over well for you. Well, you know, I don't know how I'm supposed to make money on it yet. Um, well, but I do know that I've had really good and interesting people on the show pretty consistently. Good, and good, man. I think that makes for a good podcast and it gives people something to do. Yeah. I find that people like I listen to podcasts mainly ah. when I used to drive a lot. So I don't know. People who drive a lot, I think they listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah I need to do more of it. I, I, enjoy, I listened to one of yours the other day and I loved it. And, you know, I have, mm-hmm. I have some windshield time, so I need to dig into some of those, you know, when I get out of the road. Sure. Well, there's a guy, Stuart Fritchman, is from Bend. Yeah. Um, I think you would like his story. I'll check it out. Wow. Didn't, you, didn't, you, yeah. didn't you tell me about somebody that had their uh, a, their own record label or, or started? Record? I don't know. Someone, something I read the other day that you had done. Um, well, Lindsay Feathers is, is working on her. She's Artichoke Records, um, so she's doing her thing. Um, I can't remember what other another record label or, or it's worked in the music business. I'd have to look back at your stuff. Oh well, I've got my girl Karen Mc, McFarlane Holman. She's super brilliant. No, this was this was this was punk rock. This was a guy. This was a this was a. I can't remember what what you. It doesn't matter. Oh oh oh, Johan. Yeah yeah, Johan Peters. Yep yep exactly. Yeah yeah, he's a sound he's a sound engineer. Yeah. Uh, he's THX certified sound, so oh, gotcha. he's, he's he does like people's houses and theater setup, but he also sets up bands. Um, and I know he's he's set up a few of the Dandy Warhol shows um, with audio. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, man, I, I, I don't mean to run, but surely you're probably getting tired of me, and I'm sure listeners are getting tired of listening to me. Jeez. Oh, no, they're loving you. I'm just, I swear to God, they're just going to be like, oh, who's this Jerry guy? They're going to be asking me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for posting it on your Facebook yeah, um, and yeah, sharing man. it. Uh, that was really cool. Kind of got started, uh, started a little late. I hope we didn't lose anybody, but might have. No, actually, this isn't live, so it's actually not going to be available. Um, oh, so some nights I have too many beers if the conversation goes three hours. I <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And then I don't post. But tonight I could probably post this after we're done. I'll just uh, – so I have to – that involves writing up a little blurb. Uh, oh. What would you like it to say? Oh, you just write whatever you want. I, I, I invited people. I thought it was a live thing at 6, so I gotta, I'll tell them that uh, – I posted actually on your thing that uh, I'll post it tomorrow. 
What's that? I actually saw you that you posted that on oh, Facebook. Okay, gotcha. So I said we'll post it tomorrow. Okay, good, good, man. Well, listen, yeah. um, I appreciate you taking the time, and we'll we'll catch up with you. We'll see you over there sometime. Yeah, yeah. Next time you're over, uh, give me give me a holler, and uh, maybe I'll 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 meet all y'all out at that'd be you know, awesome hotel or whatever. Oh, it'll be great, man. Play some poker with us. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll play some poker. All right, take all your money. <laughs> yeah, all righty, buddy. Well, hopefully, all right, have, bud. All right, have a good one, Gary. See you. Bye. Love you, Jerry. You have yeah, a good one, buddy. Take take care, man. Bye. All right, bye.